0: Welcome to another episode of Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. And today I have with me Coach Lee Hopkins. Coach Lee, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Joan, for having me.
0: You are most welcome. So Coach Lee Hopkins is a transgender man who helps people create lasting friendships. After struggling with loneliness most of his life, He's tried various ways to resolve it without success. However, on on the sorry on his journey um, to make friends, he discovered that the more he learned about himself, uh, the better he was able to connect with others. He'll show us how this is possible as we move through our journey uh, together today. So welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank so, you. Thank you.
0: So Coach Lee. Uh, Wayne Dwyer wrote the book, uh, What You What What You Are, What You Think. And he said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? And so what does this quote mean to you, especially in the context of being transgendered?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I really like the quote, I, I subscribe to the idea of changing the way you think, then things will change. Like, the yeah. way you look at things will change. So I, I thought I'd apply that to myself. And I made this transition from female to male, not really consciously thinking about how it's going to affect me on the inside. Mm. I was thinking about how other people are going to treat me and how that'd be so much better. I didn't think about how it would, I would treat myself. And so oh. there's a big difference. The big difference in discovering that about myself. It's like, yeah, I... I right. don't really think too much differently about myself, even though I changed the way I look. <laughs> right.
0: So what was it that you expected to shift in the ways that other people would you know, treat you or act towards you?
1: Well, I thought that um, I was not making friends because I was just looking to make friendships. I was looking to connect with people for most of my life. That's all I've been trying to do. Yes. And I've moved from place to place to place searching for people. So I figured... Well, I must be hiding something along the way. I discovered that I'm um, looking for my tribe and that wasn't working. So it must be me. I must be hiding something. So I'm hiding this fact that I'm transgendered. I'm hiding that because I didn't share that with many people. And so when I finally do share it, when I finally do step into my truth. I'm going to be loved by millions. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> You'll be the beautiful, most authentic version of yourself. And then that right. should attract everybody, right? That's the
1: exactly. Teaching.
0: That's the teaching. Be you, do you. And then everybody will see you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what happened instead?
1: Well, you know, nothing. <laughs> Just...
0: <laughs> nothing?
1: nothing. As if no. there was no
0: change at all?
1: it was not what I expected to happen that was the thing it was not what I expected so I did get a different sense of how the world treats men and women Mm. I definitely saw a lot of different things I've been treated differently and some of it was really a big surprise like I'll give you a quick example about how when I was a cis woman so I transitioned let's say um, maybe uh, seven years ago yeah. So I'm in my late thirties. I was in my early thirties. I had enough, I had enough time as warming the earth as a cis female. And yeah. so, you know, little kids are, are super cute. Sometimes they are just cute. And so I would see them and as a cis woman, I could smile at them, mm-hmm. but as a grown cis man, it is kind of weird.
0: Oh. And
1: I was not, I was not prepared for that. I, Hi. I, I was not prepared for mothers looking at me like, I'm like, Oh, I I, I, yeah. like, why are you looking at my kid? Well, they're just cute. They're just doing a little cute thing. And it's like, that's not acceptable for me. That's not not acceptable. So I'm learning how the world has seen me differently, but it's not how I felt on the inside. So I'm learning a little bit of how people are treating me differently, but also the
0: outward appearance. So educate our audience. What is the difference between cisgendered, transgendered, what is the difference?
1: Teach us. Sure. The difference between a cisgendered person and a transgendered person is that cisgendered are people who have been born as female, assigned female at birth, and they continue to present as female or they continue to present as their birth presentation. So right. for cis, uh, for if you're cis male, you're born as male and you continue to present and identify as cis male. Yeah. And for transgendered, if you are born female, then in my case, you transition somewhere along the way and present yourself as female or intersex or something along those lines, something that's different than uh, female. And I, I just want to point out that it doesn't necessarily have to um, be a transition that's physical. So I went through the physical transition, I had uh, hormones and I went through surgery. So I did those things, but not everyone does that and identifies as trans.
0: And so, as you move through this kind of journey, is there a spiritual connectedness that you experience as you move through?
1: As I, yes. Um, well, yeah, because, um, you know, I tried the, the goal of me and existing and everything. (laughs) My reason for being was just to make friends with people. I was just Mm -hmm. feeling so lonely and so lost. And I tried all the things that I thought I could try. And I thought that this one would be it, the transition Mm -hmm. from female to male. I thought that would be it. But no, there was some more lessons or some more teachings that I had to learn. And one of the big things, the big theme was running away from rejection. Mm -hmm. And that was a theme in my life. That was a pattern that just kept going over and over and over again. I wasn't connecting with people because I wasn't being authentic and open with them. And I wasn't being authentic and open with them because I was hiding myself. And I was hiding myself because I was afraid of rejection. So here I go and I step into my true self, essentially transitioning from female to male, what I believe to be my true self. And it has changed for me physically, but the change isn't physical. It is inward it is inside so I go through this physical change believing now the world is going to accept me because I am presenting outwardly like I should always do but that's not the authentic self the authentic self is more of a spiritual self so
0: yes. I and the spiritual self has no gender right, right. exactly so, you know to focus on the outward appearance and connect with that more than the inward which has no gender then um, then you kind of, you're, you're doing it backwards, but it sounds mm-hmm. like you also discovered, you, you discovered that which is, you know, part of the journey and part of the process as well. So Absolutely. was there a point where you even thought, why don't I just go back to who I am? Did that ever happen?
1: Well, when you say go back to who or I am. originally I...
0: sex wise, I mean,
1: Oh, gender, genderized. Yes. Oh, like oh, I made a mistake and I need to go back and be female.
0: <laughs> well,
1: have you been talking to my mom? She would say that. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. I'm just joking with you. But um, you know, truthfully, she doesn't really like it, and uh, that's mm-hmm. that's her truth, and that's right. what I discovered. Is like no, there wasn't a point in which I decided that I I thought I had made a mistake physically into this transition. What I learned was that I missed the point. I missed the point. And this became really clear to me because um, I went to therapy and I started learning about being closer to people and being connected to people and changing the mindset. So I develop a mindset that I'm going to make friends. I'm going to make friends. And I yeah. go to this, I go to this comedy club and I meet this cool guy and I'm thinking, well, we're going to make friends. We're going to make friends. And I have yeah. a nice conversation with them. And I lean the conversation towards being trans or towards transgendered things, the queer community. Because I wanted to see how you know they feel about it. I was afraid to be rejected. Yeah. And so they mentioned that they'd never seen a trans person before. They don't know the process. They don't know why anyone would ever transition. And I thought, you know what? we are going to be best of friends because I'm going to share my authentic truth with you. And I'm going to fill that knowledge gap. Yes. So I go and I say, I'm trans and they freak out. They basically stop talking and they leave. They leave the entire venue. And so this is where the spiritual sense of rejection comes in. No matter what form I'm in, if I'm believing that I'm going to be rejected, I am going to be rejected. But also, it's part of the process to be rejected because not everybody can handle or are interested in connecting with your truth, right? So that's what I've learned. That's the spiritual. And,
0: you know, we always, I say we always have these three major challenges. And I believe if we don't heal the first one, there's a ripple into the second one. If we don't heal the second one, there's a ripple into the third one, right? Mm -hmm. So where did the rejection begin in the first place? Where Where did that sense of, I don't, I'm, I don't fit in. Everybody pushes me out. Where does that come from?
1: Well, um, definitely generational. Like I'm thinking about this as generational. It's more, more I learned about my, myself and my parents and my grandparents and little things like that. I learned that, well, um, from my, from my home, from growing up, I learned that the little things that I did were not good enough. They were not interesting. And people are going to look at me like I'm funny. I'm going to be, I'm going to be rejected for anything that I show. Okay. Any thought or idea that I express is not interesting. And if, I mean, that feeling sucks. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> so, so I learned subconsciously to just stop sharing things, stop showing up for people, stop showing how I really think and feel about things. And that is actually the what I've discovered is the truth of who you are, expression of how you feel about things.
0: Yeah. So when you look in the mirror. I guess the question, you know, we started with the quote from Wayne Dwyer, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's it's in a lot of ways, this is a belief that, you know, um, as we observe something, that our own belief about it transforms it into that thing, right? Um, right? And there's been some experiments that have been done with electrons, protons, that sort of thing. and when someone is not observing those electrons, they scatter in a way that's just self-defining. But when someone actually observes the electrons and is desiring for them to have a particular pattern, they go in the pattern that the individual is desiring. It's funny how that operates in and of itself. So as you're looking at yourself in the mirror and as you're viewing yourself and as you are thinking about who you are and then cascading this image of who you are where did it ever come to you What what was the inspiration that said I am not female I am male
1: that's an interesting question so you're asking me to like really dig deep and <laughs> f- yeah really yeah. D- really dig deep <laughs> well, and figure oh, gee, out what
0: I am asking you to dig deep with
1: <laughs> and figure out what it is that made me uh, transition from here. So what I what I believe is that I looked at the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I looked at my experiences in life and my family and the connection with my family. and yeah. I looked at um, my group with a single parent.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: this is this is really interesting. So I grew up with a single parent, a single mom, and I had one older brother. And uh, there were two other females in the household. So that's me and my younger sister. And my mom really looked up to my brother like he was something special and important. Mm -hmm. And I wondered about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm also special and important. Maybe I do all the things that he does. And I'm not getting the same kind of attention that this person is getting. Mm -hmm. I wonder what's wrong. What's up with that? what what's going on with that i think that's something that rolls around inside of my head it's like maybe that's a possibility of why i believe that i'm fitted to be the way i am
0: mm.
1: yeah maybe it's something like that um what else do i have in there um i believe that that the way i saw men being treated and the way how the way men are valued a lot more than women, I thought, well that that fits, that fits me. And then Mm -hmm. as I get older and I connect with people, like connect with what? Well I I start feeling more uh growing into I guess sexuality and start dating women. I start dating women and because I think women are just way more attractive than men. And I think, well, okay, I mean that kind of makes sense. That's that's how I feel. And it's not that just not really attracted to men mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't ever and I thought well this this kind of fits like because men and women go together and this must not be this is more more evidence of the universe pointing me in the direction I need to go right and right. I, exp- I expressed this once to someone when I was 26 and they were just like you know the world's hard for for trans people And I was like, yeah, I guess I should never do that. (laughs) I should never do that. So then I continued on just dating women because it was hard enough to be a woman and date women. So I'm like, well, you know, this is, this fits. I I picked up a more of a quote masculine role with it. Yeah. I picked up all those. And then I decided, well, you know, I'm hiding from myself. I'm hiding from the truth of myself. Like I do all the things that masculine or men do. I'm not feeling like this is the right body for me. My Mm -hmm. puberty was awful, you know, all those things. And I'm just like, well, this is is what I need to do. This makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So the physical manifestation had to happen.
0: Right. Thank you for being so vulnerable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the question.
0: That was really real. You know, and I think even I have to sit and I have to think about it. I've had one client who was um, transgendered. um, And when she explained it to me, she said, "We, we transition through gender. And so sometimes, you know, you're at one stage and you're this gender. And so I could be, I could feel like I'm female or she says, and then um, I transition and it might change. Uh, And it's just an expectation. Um, It's kind of like a life trajectory. You know, how we go through childhood, adolescent, young adulthood and all of those things. Well, gender is very similar. And when she said that to me, I was like, "Huh, I'd never thought about it that way, right? And because I tend to, go through a spiritual journey and transformation and that's where my focus is so for me if spirit is not gendered then i wouldn't think of transitioning through a gender but i think this i always think that there are certain things that people will experience in this life and if that's the transition that you go through in order to have kind of like a spiritual awakening of some kind then that's just it right but I had never understood it that way did she explain it right did I understand it right uh, you're asking me that
1: caught me off guard because you know <laughs> I, I'm thinking you know that that sounds like it's it's accurate I mean yeah. based on her truth based on what I experienced mm. but I think that um all we're trying to do, not just trans people, but everyone in the world, we're we're just trying to get people to understand our experience. (laughs) We're talking about what our experiences are, and we want someone to hear it, understand it, and also demonstrate to us that they've understood what we said. So we are doing the best we can with the feelings that with the feelings that come about, with the spirit, with the language that we have to describe what we are experiencing to each other. And I think we get caught up in the gender facts of it, the the masculine and the feminine, because we've labeled those as things. People in our past have labeled those as things. And now they look like one thing to us. Now they look like another thing to us. We don't have the language just yet. Mm to speak about what it means to make that kind of transition. Mm -hmm. We're doing the best we can with masculine and feminine, but -hmm. we'll develop some other language to describe that feeling of Mm -hmm. knowing that you are not Mm -hmm. in the right body. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the language yet.
0: Stay with us, we're gonna take a short break. Different coach Lee from dissociation, right? So I deal with clients all the time where I talk to them about, I talk to them about identity. And most of my clients have had a traumatic moment where essentially there's a separation of self. I, I can say I had a traumatic moment where literally there was a dissociative process, right? And then years it took me to come back and connect with self. So if that is part of the journey if trauma leads us into a bit of a dissociation and then there is like a healing process that we have to come back to or a healing process that brings us back to unity with self, then how do we then not have people kind of cascade in all of these different ways of dissociation? Is it dissociation or is it just completely a normal process that a human being is going through? That's what that's the only question that I have that I think for myself uh kind of remains unanswered. Can you, you help s-
1: me? Are you saying uh, is it is it trauma that has lead led me to dissociate from my body to transition? Yeah.
0: yeah. I just that possibility just occurred to me and I wondered well,
1: That makes sense. I mean that makes sense because there is there there would be some kind of event that would make you kind of leave your body for Everyone, I mean, everyone has to do that. Yes. Whether it's a traumatic event or whether it's something they're willing to sit down and, and do themselves through meditation. We yes. have to do that because we are essentially spiritually spiritual think speaking, we are just one. Right. We're, it's not that we're connected, but we are just the universe. That's sort of what I believe. That's what I believe. I mean, we are just the universe, it's just us. And so we have to take a moment to go inside and whatever experiences that are set up for us, we are gonna have those one way or another. We're gonna go and discover ourselves. So when we take that moment to dissociate from the self, I think it's dissociating from the ego, the belief that we are this thing, this Mm -hmm. meat suit that we have. Mm -hmm. So dissociation, so I get my moment to go out and be dissociated like, wait, you know, I wasn't paying attention to what's happening here and this planet and happening to this meat suit in this body. And now I'm back. Right. And all this stuff that happened to me. So how have I got to figure out how to deal with it, how to focus and, and be whatever I need to be or whatever I'm supposed to do.
0: Wonderful. Thank you again for being so vulnerable and, you know, just for considering my own questions um, even in the moment.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to. I mean, I think that's, I, I firmly believe that's how we connect with each other. And I hope that yeah. I've answered them as yeah. well. I mean, I hope them I, I've answered them. And if you have more, definitely keep shoot them out because.
0: Absolutely. I've got some more coming your way.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you talked about friendship and friendship is so important. And it's now kind of the thing that you help people, you know, kind of come into, right? Yes. So, What's the quality of a good friendship? You know, what are the characteristics of a, you know, a quality, good friendship?
1: A quality, good friendship. So I like to look at like the deepness. This is why I enjoy this kind of conversation. Like what makes a really good friend? Well, I think that it's all about emotion, emotion, energy, spiritually. It's all about emotion and energy. And what makes a good friend is somebody you'll know that they're a good friend if you have seen all of their emotions. Mm -hmm. If you have seen them angry, if you have Mm -hmm. seen them sad, if Mm -hmm. you have seen them enjoy, if you have seen them disgusted, if you've seen them trusting, if you've seen all of those emotions in them, you know that they're a good friend and they're close to you because they trust you to be vulnerable with you, to show up as their authentic selves with you. So what makes a really good friend though in my book is a friend who can direct those emotions at you. Mm. They can tell you how yeah. you've hurt them. They can mm. tell you how you have frustrated them without thinking about trying to take care of you. They trust you enough to they know that you hold. can handle your own emotions.
0: Yeah, yes. right. You can handle
1: your own emotions. You can hold space for them. Yes. And it's directed at you, not at somebody else. Right. They trust you enough to hear that. And those are the kind of friendships that I like have in my life and everybody needs in their life they need somebody to hold space for them like that and tell them about themselves the impact that they're having on mm-hmm. them the world everybody they need so, we need people to so tell you, us about ourselves so we can get better
0: don't you think you have one or two friends like that though and the rest really aren't? oh yeah, yeah?
1: definitely yeah and and, and then you
0: could have one or two family members like that but like the rest of them aren't they, they don't, they're not willing to hold the space they're not oh. willing to allow you to just be you oh and yeah when you are you then there is the judgment and the criticism that comes
1: oh yeah definitely there there is only a few people can do that i mean a few people can get to know you on that level yeah there's only a few people that can get to know you on that level. Maybe you, Dr. Joan, you have the skill to allow people to open up and share their truth with you, but they can't hear a word you say about your truth. Right. That's just the way it's gonna be.
0: <laughs> I have a few clients like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's just yes. the way it's gonna be. Yes. But um, I would argue that you wanna ahead. search you wanna search for those people who will make the close connection for you first because the other ones are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the, the, the friends that will call you up for a special event or an occasion or help you move or or whatever it is that you need, that they won't be around a whole lot. They won't be here when you have these deep moments. Like if you have a have a family member pass away, yeah. you know, you need those kind of friends in your life before you need the quantity of friends.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you. And I myself, before I did my healing work, was very much an introvert. And so I, and also an empath at at the same time, and yet not understanding that I was empathic in that I could pick up on the energies of people um, and was always in that zone where you are, right? Always wanting a deeper connection um, and being willing to offer that to other people, but rarely ever getting it back, right? Mm -hmm. And in in the same way that you have struggled with loneliness, that has come to me in a slightly different way, but it has been part of my whole journey and process as well. I also have struggled with rejection in the same way that you have, but it has uh, it has worked out for me in perhaps different ways. But we're each going to deal with that and then you know catapult it, manifest it in whatever ways that comes. Right? So. Now that you've gone through or, uh, and continue, because healing is a continuing, continuing process, now that you've kind of moved through your journey, you've transitioned, you're continuing your healing and all of those things, does it make it easier to now form those friendships that you have sought for?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes it so much easier to be focused on me before yeah. anyone else. So I'll go out and like that that one instance where I was rejected by that guy, um, I realized that, well, rejection is going to continue to happen. And mm-hmm. instead of focusing on why they didn't like me or why they ran away or whatever it is yeah. that that was on them, it's something that I cannot control, something that I can't change. Yeah. I could focus on me. And what it is that I can control and what I can change. So I can change how I feel about it. I can change the, how I look at the situation. And I looked at the situation. It's mostly like, well, we just can't be friends in that moment. Because whatever it is going on with him, I do not know. Right. But I do know that they disappeared. I do know that if they wanted if I wanted to, or I do know that I'm feeling really terrible right now. And I want to explain why I'm such a good person to them. But I've done that in the past. And that has not worked out for me. So I do know that I can look at it in a different way. So instead of trying to explain myself to people, I just show up as myself. And the rejection comes, it does. But it's like, well, good for good for you for rejecting me. It means that you saw something in me that you wasn't going to vibe with. You saved me the time and energy of me trying to tell you how great of a person I am to convince you to be a friend with me. And you clearly don't want that. Good for you. Good for me. Thank you.
0: That's That's just classic. I just love that, you know, because I think a lot of times we invest so much energy in the rejection and we moan and we groan you know and one of the things i was just saying to my husband the other day you know sometimes you can stand at the door and you can knock <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. be knocking at the door right but it's like okay you rejected me you got mad at me you did something but let me knock at the door and see if we can be friends again right
1: mm-hmm. and-
0: Maybe I'll go away for a little bit, but let me come back and knock at the door a little bit. Like certainly everybody has grown by now, right? So let me go back and knock a little bit more and maybe the person will open the door. (laughs) And I, I I was coming to a point where I was like, I'm done with that, you know? Like if you want to reject me, if you want to get all mad and all fancy about whatever this is gonna look like, it's just time that I recognize that the door is shut. And in fact, that I can shut some of those doors myself, right? Absolutely. And I think that's when the empowering part of friendship comes when you're showing up authentically as yourself. You're wanting the other person to show up. You're wanting to recognize that no relationship is perfect. You're both going to do something that at some point pisses the other person off. But the mm-hmm. whole point is we forgive one another and then we come back to that place of calm and peace, right? And then we carry on. But some of us are willing to know that and to live that and some of us aren't and it's Mm -hmm. important for us to know when to close the door ourselves when to leave it a little bit open and then quite frankly when to just move on right so Mm -hmm. do you know I guess you've reached that point where you also know that you can close that door and do you so do you elect to close the door sometimes
1: well, <laughs> I'm like th- I was thinking about um, something that happened last year. Was like I had a friend group that I knew that was changing. Essentially, mm. I knew that I was changing. I was becoming a different person, yeah. and I wanted to make sure that we were stay connected. But I didn't like much of what they did, and mm. so I tried to change the things that they did uh, mm. sneakily, like um, slyly,
0: mm.
1: and uh, you know, manipulatively. I tried to do that. And I think and I was like, I'm in a good place. I'm I'm the, doing the the good thing for the the sake of the relationship. And and they were like, No, you're not. We don't like this, and we don't want to change. So get out of here. <laughs> and so right. when you ask if I close the door, this is me being rejected, though. But if you ask if I close the door, I wanted to keep that friendship open. Yeah. And I but, but I wanted what? to look if at
0: you. Close the door. Don't you think? By the style that you use in in that scenario that that wasn't actually you, but that you were making a decision already that that door was closing. And yeah. whatever action you took, the door closed, it's like you already made the decision. The person just chose to close the door for you, right? Because sometimes we don't give our, ourselves enough power there as well, that we had the th- the forethought or we had already made the decision. but then we kind of backed out of the decision and then the other person's like, oh,
1: but you're already gone. So see ya. Uh, I I, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. That does make sense because I've already decided that I don't like the people that they are and I want to make them change. I've already decided that I've already decided that who they were and how our relationship was before. We're gonna close the door on that. But I still kept trying. I feel like the door was kind of open and they were like, well, this is enough. We finally got to a head where this is enough. We don't want this anymore. So let, let it go. And I still wanted to still wanted to connect even after that, like I realized that, man, this door should be closed. Mm. And I, I, it took some time after yeah. separating from them to realize that, oh, this is actually what I wanted. Yeah. And I, I'm going to just keep it that way. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it that way. I mean, it was, it's empowering. And when you yeah. when you get to that point where you realize that the door is should be closed. Yeah, it's essentially realizing that you're putting this energy into something that you can't change, so it just drives you for us drive the frustration, and you decide yeah. really what you really want and how you really want your friendships to look. And, and then it, down
0: it, the road, you actually realize, hey, this was actually better for me.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because I'm not spending the kind of energy trying to change them, and they're fine the way they are. You know? Yeah, so we're not doing that to each other. And I recognized that, well, I was toxic to them. I was. Hmm. And so, and so I recognized, well, that's the kind of relationship I don't want. So let's not create those kind of relationships.
0: Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Very good. I just love the way you communicate, you know, because you're very thoughtful, you're very real and true. And um, I must say that, I I just appreciate that about you as a guest. And I just want to acknowledge that like right here, you know?
1: Yeah. And Dr. Joan, I have to tell you, sometimes that is scary to other people. And I found that I found maybe you've also found that to be true for you, but I found that to be scary if you're out here and you're kind of cool and confident and can speak about how you feel. It's like, well, how dare you? Right. How dare, how dare you do that? <laughs> I know cuz that was my person. You're violating
0: experience. some kind of cultural boundary. You know, you're just you're giving too much information. You're wanting to connect a little bit too much. And people will give you those messages as well. Certainly I have been there. You know. Mm-hmm. So when you think about your life experience and the things that you are now trying to teach folks I guess the question I'm asking is, so you've gone through this you know, life experience and as you've gone through, you've learned a few things and now you're coaching people. So what does your coaching look like as you talk to them about friendship, as you talk to them about positive relationships, as you talk to them about even discovering who they are? What does that look like?
1: Wow, well, thanks for asking that question because that's one thing I love to talk about is this the discovery of themselves and that's what my coaching is based on discovering yourself because we're essentially looking for people who are like us and for most of my life I was wandering this world wondering like why don't people like me why aren't people interested in me why don't people want to get to know me well what I discovered is that I wasn't giving them anything to know Mm. I wouldn't share anything about myself because I didn't know anything about myself Mm. so Imagine going to. I, I tell my clients, like, imagine going to a movie theater together, and they, sh- they say that those friendships have been sold to us as we just have an experience together and we just get closer over time. We'll start talking about things and yeah. get closer over time. But let's say if we have an experience where we go to the movie together and we really, both of us, we really enjoy the movie. And yeah. I, I, I come out of the movie and I say, man, that was amazing. We've got all these special effects. The direction was great. The storyline was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I turn to you and you say, you love it too, but you can't tell me anything about what you liked about the movie.
0: Uh, yeah. How
1: are we going to connect? Were you paying attention? Are yeah. you having difficulty expressing what you're feeling when yeah. you see? Do you know what you feel? Yeah. And so we focus on those, understanding that about ourselves. Um, it's focused on having experiences and being thoughtful about those experiences right. how you feel because not only is the connection made in the experience that we have but it's how we feel about the experience that we're having and yeah. why we feel that way about the experience
0: stay with us folks we are going to take a short break For some of those folks who have the difficulty connecting with self, right? I always say, if you can't connect with yourself, if you can't experience yourself, how can you? How can you explain that to another person? Exactly. So mm-hmm. you know. So are you present? You know, are you present as you're moving through this moment, um, or are you off somewhere, or in the future, or in the past, or? Are you present? Are you able to breathe in this moment, take it in, in slow motion, and then sense in your body, in your thoughts, you know, in your feelings, what is happening with me, and not only sense it, but then being able to describe it to not only yourself, but then to another person. And and for a long time, it took me a while to understand that some people have that block right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that they just aren't able to get to that place. So do you have like a particular call that goes out when you're working with those clients? So that's the type of people that come in? Or do you just kind of openly embrace anyone that walks through the door and then figure out what the issue is for them?
1: Yeah, openly embrace everyone. Usually, what I've discovered is that we're hiding something. We don't really recognize that we're hiding the thing mm-hmm. we're hiding, and mm-hmm. because we're not, rec- we don't recognize that we're hiding the thing. We we just continue to do it, and we're not focused on what's happening outward. We're focused on hiding, hiding our thing, not getting in touch with our emotions. So now, basically, yeah, me, I re-
0: very interesting point because I've never, uh, you know, uh, we talk about concealing and revealing, right? But mm-hmm. the idea of hiding is the person purposefully hiding? Or is this just denial? Because it's different, right? If, If we say something like denial, denial is, it's a preserving feature of our very being. It's about self protection. It's about not giving too much information that is overwhelming. And it's usually connected to our traumas. So when you say hiding, what exactly do you mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say I would take it to the unconscious route and say that we're unconsciously hiding, but it could be both. I guess it could be both. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, is, I didn't know that I was hiding for a long time. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I thought that the that people would reject anything that I presented to them that I liked or enjoyed. So uh-huh. I was like, well, you know, I'm hiding myself because I don't want them to see that. But I didn't I- realize that's what you what you call it, what you call it. And then I think the difference, I guess, between that and denial is yeah. well, people are going to denial. Um people aren't gonna like you if you share something. I think that you know as I as I talk this out, I'm thinking like, well they, they seem very similar. Yeah. It's it's hiding what I would say for both of it, I mean, it could be caused by trauma. Everything's traumatic. Essentially. There's something that affects you in some way that will stop you from reacting. I yeah. think that real quick about this is that um, I believe that we already have a sense of who we are when we come into the world and we get conditioned to not express our emotions. Yeah. And I think our authentic self is feeling the feeling Yeah. For in response to whatever event and expressing that just
0: expressing expressing
1: it naturally without thought, without thinking that somebody else is going to behave this way. And so we go in, we go to the world and we condition, we get conditioned not to express the thing the way we want it to, because we're going to get hurt. And so we decide not to do that. We can't, we unconsciously grab that information We decide and unconsciously or, and also consciously we decide to do it. We, yeah. we decide to do that too. And that just stops us from being our authentic self. And so I think when we talk about boundaries and pulling boundaries in here too, boundaries is setting people say boundaries is stopping other people from behaving in a certain way. But I think boundaries is defining the shape of you and coming more into speaking and, and acting in the way that feels natural and emotional to you. Wow. So that's Wait. what we're that's what we're always trying to do. And but when we we have these boundaries we want people to understand our experience in these boundaries and so that's where language comes and makes us really makes it really helpful for us for people to understand us so if we get hurt for example if somebody hits us and we don't have language we're going to hit them back so right. that they know how they made us feel yes when we pull in language we can also share they made how they made us feel and why we yeah. feel that way And so we can we can be better understood with that we can be better seen our authenticity at the root of it is why we did what we did, or why we feel the way we feel we want to express that in some way, shape or form. So denying all that is what makes us feel like we're not seen. All we want to do in this world in this life is run into somebody connect with somebody who understands how we feel about something. Yes and demonstrate that they understand how we feel. And so if we don't know what we're feeling and we can't express it, like you said a moment ago, they're not gonna know. And we're gonna feel so lonely.
0: Right, because the connection never comes. They never mirror back to us whats what it is that we are expressing. And without the mirror effect, there is such loneliness um, that comes with that, right? It's like you never see yourself in another person. In part because you're not revealing yourself enough for them to show you what that is, um, and I think you know there's a fundamental piece here. There's the language piece that you mentioned, um, but then there's also the the human uh, way of being is that I am going to, as I communicate with you, I am going to find the part of myself that you reflect to me. So because you reflect to me that really deep, quiet conversation, then we can have that conversation because there's a part of myself that is very much like that. So I bring that forward and we have a very fluid flowing kind of conversation that if I hit that part of myself or was not in tune with it, I might never show up um, so that there's that mirror effect happening. Right. But the language piece is also so important because some of us are not taught that language. So I have a question for you. When you think about parents, we have such a pivotal role to play in giving our children language. And so do you have any recommendations for the parents that are out there listening to this, who want to be able to connect with their children, who are maybe on the quiet side, who are maybe on the hiding side, don't want to reveal themselves and come out?
1: Reveal yourselves. show yourselves. <laughs> that's <all. laughs> so
0: that's what you say to them.
1: Just show yourself. Show
0: yourself and your children will show <laughs>
1: themselves too. Well, essentially, I think that's how it works because they learn everything from what you learned. I've learned that from my parents. I've learned that from my mom. Like she doesn't open up and share anything. And now that I have all this skill and stuff, I go and i like, oh, I feel that you feel something. Don't tell me none of that. That's just trying to hide that from, <laughs> trying to hide that from me. But you can't, you cannot. I already know that it's there. And so let's talk about it because yes. let's talk about it. And so what I would say to the parents is develop the way to speak about your truth to your children. And mm-hmm. That's most important. And what all we want is to be curious or we want our kids are curious about what we're doing and how we're doing. They're mm-hmm. unconsciously taking up the information that you put out. So if you're constantly hiding, they are going to constantly hide. Yeah. Um. It yeah. just I would say go to therapy and learn some more about you know who you are and yeah. and show up for them and show up as your authentic self for them. Yes, yeah. I move
0: uh, folks through a forgiveness process. That's really a, the point. You know, each forgiveness asks one question, and the question is well, it doesn't ask one question. There's an important question that all of us need to ask with every forgiveness, and the question is you know, you go back and you immerse yourself in that situation that wounded you. But the question is, what did you want? You know, what did you want that moment to look like? How did you want to react? How did you want everybody else in that circumstance to react, right? And I always say that once you have the answer to that, the authentic and the truth of that, once you have it, you have like a part of a puzzle that says, who am I? What's important to me? How do I love and how do I want other people to show up for me and love me, right? Mm -hmm. And I always then frame it, it's kind of like a ball. And then imagine that ball almost like a globe with little puzzle pieces scattered all around it. And every time you forgive somebody, you can know that one of those puzzle pieces is going to be filled in. And eventually, as you go through what I call 490 forgivenesses, eventually, as you go through that process, you have a Full understanding of not only what it is that you want, but then how you want other people to show up in your life. And with that awareness of being, then you begin to manifest it. Those people begin to show up, right? Absolutely. It's a hard thing uh, for folks to self-develop. It has to be a decision and a journey. And so, how do you, how do you suggest that we convince the generation that's ahead of us? To begin that journey,
1: the gener you mean the generation ahead of us? You mean like uh, yeah, so my parents our or
0: parents? Yeah, so oh, our okay. have not necessarily engaged in self development. They have not engaged in self awareness. They have not engaged in healing work. So, any recommendations for how you would even convince them to begin the journey or to think about it?
1: Well, what I'm doing for my parents or my mom, because I talk to her on a regular basis, what I'm doing is modeling the behavior that I want to see from her mm-hmm. or what it feels like. So allowing her to, so I believe that she has learned that it is not safe to express her emotions. And mm-hmm. so that when she does, or when I cry and I poke at them, it gives her an unfamiliar, well, it gives a, a familiar traumatic feeling of being mm-hmm. in some pain. Yeah. And so she does not want to express them because it probably came, it, something probably happened to her where she got slapped or told not to, to talk about how she felt or or had repressed. So here I am, she's living back in when she was a kid. And here I am bringing up that feeling again. I keep bringing it up. I keep bringing it up. And what I do is just listen I do my best to listen and create that safe space. Now, that's not work for everybody because, man, it's hard. I have my emotional attachments to her and expectations for her. And I have to put those in a bucket. I have to yeah. put those aside. So what I would say, though, is do the best that you can to model this behavior that you want to see in them. You can't go yelling at them, expecting mm-hmm. that yelling that they're that you're angry that they're not behaving the way you want to. That's yeah. going to make it change. It's not. So yeah. it's it's everything that you do within If you want to see however you want people to show up for you, you show up for them.
0: Yes, wonderful response. So let me ask you, what are you here to build? What's the thing that you're building right now?
1: I'm here to build connection and community with as many people as possible. I want to empower people to make connections and feel more vulnerable, feel okay being more vulnerable. And if I could leave uh, them with this a little tip about what to share with people, how we connect with people, because we have conversations, but we're not sure about what to share. People will like us and so forth. I want you to not think about how, if people are going to like you doing you and being you is like essentially looking at what's inside and what you like. And so I have three things that I have people focus on. My clients focus on, they focus on their history, their hobbies and their habits, Mm -hmm. knowing these three things about yourself and Mm -hmm. Living those three things is going to help you connect with the people that are most like you. Because if you're in a space with people who has your similar history, they get you. Yeah. Place with people who have similar hobbies, they get you. You have something to talk about. Yeah. And your habits, same thing. You're going to roll the same way. You're going to experience life the same way. Meat yeah. eaters and vegetarians, you know, <laughs> those are those are hot, those are habits that you have. Yeah. it's really easy to connect with somebody who also eats vegetables more, right? You have more to talk about. You have an experience to share. So your history, hobbies, and habits, connect on those.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. So you are building and you're desiring that legacy of building community, connection, bonds, friendships, right? So Mm -hmm. what's the one thing that you need um, in order to be successful at that? If if there was one thing uh, that I could... Pray for or say an affirmative prayer about what would that one thing be?
1: Oh, patience, patience, patience for myself. Because if I want to see the change in the world, then I have to be that change, right? And it's, it gets, um, I'm not widely known yet, but it'll probably get exhausting because people maybe conditioned to think against me. I mean, I was conditioned to think against whoever said something I didn't like. And so I still want to embody that, that understanding for, for myself and for them. I still want to remain curious. And so it's going to take patience to do all of that.
0: Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Is it okay if I pray? Please. All right. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the patient endurance that is your being. And we thank you that in us, you have imparted patient endurance. We thank you that through Christ, we unite with you. And in this unity, we connect and we form a bond and a community. We thank you that this very essence is is within each of us. And that as we go through this life, it is that great desire to connect with others. So I thank you for Coach Lee. I thank you for his life. I thank you for the work that he is doing. I thank you for the magnificent part that he is going to do in painting the tapestry of community and bonding and unity. And so as he goes, I pray that you will inspire him, gift him, with patient endurance. Allow this gift to rise up in him and like a purifying flame, just continue to empower him in all the ways that he needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you for that. That was a very beautiful prayer.
0: You are most welcome. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Coach Drew. Sorry, Coach Lee. I know another coach. (laughs) (laughs) Coach Lee, it's been a pleasure to have you. You've been such a wonderful, intriguing, deep guest. And I just want to just thank you for being the kind of person that you are.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Joan, for engaging me and stimulating conversation and questions. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. For those of you who are listening, we've come to the end of our episode. If you like Hey I'm Listening, please don't forget to subscribe and share this with somebody you love. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. So until next time, Hey I'm Listening. Forgiveness is not an emotional process. It's not about releasing the emotions. Forgiveness is a conscious raising process. It's all about discovering Who you are. Check out my book, 490 Forgive and Live Fearlessly, available on Amazon.